All right. What about now? Does it need phantom power? No, it doesn't need phantom power. It needs to have the mute button turned off. That's what happens. So let's start this again. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. If you are listening to the audio, then you missed that this is now take two. And I have no idea if I'm going to edit the video, so I'm saying this because it still may be there because I just ain't got that kind of time. But I want to thank you all for joining us. Some of you are live here in the chat. Thank you for joining me on a Wednesday evening, especially when there is something else you could be doing, like, I don't know, watching the Tampa Bay Lightning lose. Um, But that's not how we're going to think. We are going to fight for our fellow Florida men. And go Lightning, I believe, is the term there. So uh, thank you all for joining you. This is the IT Business Podcast presented by NetAlly. This is the show where we share products, stories, tips, rants, all sorts of things all in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. And I have a kind of a crazy show tonight. I am here again solo. And again, just so that a lot of you who do not know, I am in the midst of trying to do a whole bunch of things. Uh, This week, there is a massive, mega IT expo that is here. It is a combination of Canatech which is for the cannabis uh, MSP stuff. There's the MSP Expo. There's the IT Expo. I don't know. There's like nine conferences in one, all here at the Fort Lauderdale Convention Center. If you've come down to Florida and not let me know, well, look for me. Tomorrow is going to be a big day. That's the day that the vendors are open just about all day. And then there are some major networking events. One of them will be at the Marriott Harbor, where I will be hanging out with the TCG people. Many of you know them. They are the consulting group that helps you with your internet service, your phones, all of that stuff. They are a big uh, sponsor here this evening. And then there's another big networking event from 8 to 10 back at the, uh, it's not at the convention center. It's actually in downtown Fort Lauderdale. Um, they tore down a place called the Riverwalk, and they have now this thing called the Wharf. It is on the New River. It is a fantastic-looking venue, and hopefully it won't rain, but uh, that will be where we will all be tomorrow and tomorrow evening. So if you're here, look me up, and let's hang out. Also, well, this isn't tech-related, but just so that you know how busy my schedule is, July 4th weekend, I will be in Kissimmee assisting my mother put on her family reunion. This is something she's been working on, started pre-COVID, wasn't able to do so, and then we were going to do it last year, Um, and then she was still told by her doctor that she could not travel. This year, we were afraid it would not happen again as she got struck with her third battle of cancer, her multiple myeloma, but... So far, it is looking good. The event is still on. So 
I don't know how many people are coming, somewhere between 30 and 50 uh, people are flying in, driving in, and we are going to be putting on this reunion for her, something that she has long wanted to do. Um, She has lost touch with a lot of her family. She's got, I don't know, 12 or 16 brothers and sisters or something like that. So I am helping to do that. I just, uh, you can't see it, but over here, all of the reunion shirts I've put together uh, we've got the tote bags for tchotchkes. I had to order pens and all that sorts of stuff. So that is uh, has been crazy. And, of course, Kim is helping because she's doing the food, and that is her wheelhouse. And what a joy. But you're not worried about all that. You're worried about tonight what is going to be on the show because we talked about a major announcement that was going to be done. So... Let me see if I've got this queued up because I know that there's probably two or three people that are here just for that announcement, and then you're going to bounce probably, but uh, hopefully you'll stay and watch and listen to the rest of the show. So they are not a sponsor, but they are good friends of mine, and we are going to be having a wonderful event this fall in Chicago. So, TechCon Unplugged. It is the tech event. Techs for tech standing beside vendors, bringing the IT community together. This September 16th through the 18th, I will be joining these gentlemen, Paul and Rick, in presenting the TechCon Unplugged version 2022. And it should be a fantastic event. You want to head over to TechConUnplugged.com and get your ticket. If you hurry, you can still use a discount code that I can provide you, ITBPOFF75, and that'll save you $75 off the ticket price. Again, Paco and Rick over at MSP Unplugged, joined by sponsors Huntress, Gradient, Acronis, Dark Cubed, And folks, it is going to be a wonderful event. So head over to TechCon Unplugged and get your tickets. We'll see you soon. All right. Now, for those of you that were listening by audio, you missed a fantastic promo video that showed a lot of the great things that happened last year, gave you a little bit of promo into this year. I will be posting that video up in multiple places because there's still a few seats left. But I want to thank Paco and Rick for putting this on. And yes, you heard that correctly. I will be at the event, not just as an attendee, and I won't be doing a fluke presentation. I will be your MC for the event. And basically all that means is I will provide some sort of entertainment in between the vendor presentations and kind of guiding you guys on which room to get to so that we can keep the thing flowing and uh, going well. So That is going to be September 16th through the 18th, TechCon Unplugged. So, Paco and Rick, I don't know if you're there, but uh, there's your video. All right. And since we are doing a couple of things like this, let me go ahead and say thank you to the sponsors of this podcast. And when I say sponsors, this is presented by NetAlly, your ally in network testing devices for over 25 years. They continue to set the standard for portable network analysis tools. And we've talked about those many times here on the show, the Link Runner, Link Sprinter, AirCheck, and of course, my favorite, the Etherscope. 
head over to netally.com and learn all that you can there. And if you or any of your clients need assistance with their websites, their social media marketing, or you need assistance with hands-on, boots-on-the-ground support in southwest Florida, well, my buddy John Reed over at Computers Done Right can help you. They are a managed IT service provider. They help businesses offload their IT services, and they take care of them with 24-hour monitoring, managing, and or problem resolution. And as I mentioned, they also help with websites and social media marketing. So John is our live show sponsor. That allows me to help uh, present this show by StreamYard to YouTube and the Facebook and sometimes to LinkedIn. So thank you, John, for being a special sponsor. All right, let me clean up the screen here so that I can keep on going. So I mentioned a couple of things in my week that has been busy. One of those things and I'm going to go out of order from what I've listed them on. And actually, we're going to omit one. And I'll describe that in a little bit. But I had my fun with doing some HIPAA compliance. One of my clients finally decided to go full supervision in their Apple device management. We had been doing partial management where we did not enroll brand new Apple devices. They would buy them off Amazon or eBay or wherever they could find them the cheapest. And we would just simply put them in the mobile device management platform so that we could keep track of the devices, who they were assigned to. And there was very little device management that we could do. And they finally um, got to a point where they said, we've got to do this. Marvin, tell us what we need to do. Yes, we'll spend the money. And I said, thank God. So finally, we were able to do this. However, they only purchased 10 new iPads, and they have almost 50 people. So 40 of those devices are going to stay in place, and they are not able to be automatically enrolled into the Apple device management program. So it took me a little time to do some research, and luckily I had some time because these these iPads were ordered back in like, October, and they finally came in. But if you do not know how to transfer old devices into the Apple management system, which is basically the Apple business manager from the Apple side, and then from there you push them into whatever mobile device management platform that you use, and you would set up all your configuration files for deployment, you would set up the apps that you want to push out, you would set up any business policies, you know, your pen, you know, whether or not they can use their face to open it, what, you know, if you want to whitelist or blacklist apps, all of that stuff. But in order to do that, if you don't have devices purchased directly from Apple or an Apple approved vendor, and you've got old iPads that you want to bring into it, you have to use the Apple configurator, which is a program obviously from Apple that runs on either a MacBook Pro or MacBook or some sort of Apple device, which the only ones that I have are iPads. And you have to connect the iPads to the device that runs the Apple configurator. So I ended up having to buy my very first MacBook notebook. And I had to buy a little USB hub. 
and connect the iPads to the Apple configurator. And what the Apple configurator does is, and this is the short version, it allows you to connect the old device, you assign it to the business manager, you assign it to the client, and it will wipe the device, which it has to do. That's the way it works. So anything that's on the iPad gets lost. So it wipes the device and brings it back up to where when it starts, it's going to say this iPad is supervised by whoever the client is. And from that point on, that iPad will get set up according to the configuration and business policies that you set in place. And if you do it the correct way, I guess, you're actually going to assign the iPad to a person before this even begins. So what happens is the user will get the iPad, they'll open the package, they'll sign in with their name, their email address, which then becomes their Apple ID, and everything else from that point on is automated. They will automatically get the apps that they're supposed to have. Uh, You can even do things, assign uh, SSIDs that they can connect to. You can assign, uh, if they're using email, Uh, On the iPad, you can do all of that stuff. This client chose not to do any of that. But the bottom line for me is this was my first time working with basically a whole bunch of stuff. You know, the MacBook Pro, first of all, I'm not a Mac guy, so I had to get that. And I actually found a cheap one at $9.99 just for this purpose. Um, I worked with the Apple configurator, and, I mean, it wasn't too bad. It uh, probably took me about a good 30 to 45 minutes to just get in there and figure out what I was doing. Uh, you've got to download your configuration file from your mobile device, device management platform. So there's a few things you have to do, and, and I don't have a full checklist that I've created. I have bits and pieces, so I've got to restructure it to make it an actual checklist for when I do this the next time for my next client. So good uh Good opportunity for somebody out there. If you have a process that you go through when you set up Apple devices, new or old, um, send me an email and let me know or send me the checklist or tell me, you know, what's a good website to go. I did do a bunch of searching and found a couple of places. And like I said, it wasn't terrible, but I'm sure there's probably some things I missed. Uh, One of the things that my client asked me today, we actually did a full setup with an iPad that I had not seen that was delivered directly to them. And there was just a couple of things in the setup that, you know, we had to make sure that they understood. And then we had some apps that they needed that we had to add to the whitelist and stuff like that. So um, it was a good process. So that was one of the things that happened to me. Well, for the last week, I guess uh, we started doing this. Um. Okay, next is, let's see, a couple of, so I want to, I've got two Sonic Wall stories, one of which is mine, one is somebody else's, and I will uh, change the names to protect the innocent. But the first story that is mine is that I had a client with a Sonic Wall that they've had for probably three and a half years, where half of their office is working remotely and they are connecting through the sonic wall uh, global vpn client so they actually have the software installed on either their home desktop or laptop 
and then they connect to the VPN, and then they connect to their desktop. Then they also have a branch office that is connected directly through VPN tunnels from the other office, both SonicWall. And it was interesting because the remote users were complaining of being disconnected, even though the VPN logs were showing that they were still connected. For some reason, they would lose connection to their desktop, and it was just interesting trying to figure out what was going on. But one of the things that I have in place there is one of the Domotes boxes, and I've got the full box, and I'm not going to do a share screen or anything. I'm just going to tell you what I did. I finally was in the Domotes box, kind of poking around, and I was looking at the ping times that the Domotes can do. I don't know if if everyone knows, but one of the great things that Domotes does is it will actually test connection to all the devices that it has in your dashboard. So that if you've got devices, now I've normally used this for Wi-Fi devices, so that if somebody is complaining of their connection and I can verify in my Ruckus dashboard, um, I can go in, the Unleashed dashboard is what I run for most of the clients that are small. So I can log into the Unleashed dashboard and I can see which devices have a excellent or good or poor connection. But also what can be done is in the Domotes box, it will actually ping all the devices on the network. And I hadn't actually looked at uh, this for them, so I decided, let me take a look. And what I found is that there was a connection going to the sonic wall that was showing ping times in between 200 and, well, no, it wasn't, it was, it was as low as eight milliseconds. They averaged 127 milliseconds, but then they went as high as 500 milliseconds. So that was something that I said, hmm, kind of interesting. And the reason that that was important is the rest of the network was fine. Anybody in the office was not having any issue. Anybody outside of the office, there were times where everything was fine and then a couple of times where it wasn't. So when I had looked at it, the Domotes was showing 20% packet loss with a historical ping range. And again, I would tell you that they would have eight milliseconds was the best, which is actually not good for a sonic wall. They actually should be lower than that. And... 127 was the average. So then I knew, okay, something's wrong either with that sonic wall port or something in the network there. Come to find out, I went on site and the cable was bad. It was, it was a strange little deal. The table, the cable would um, do the continuity test where it would, you know, all eight pairs were correct, but it just wasn't ver- verifying the speed. And I was going to say validate. So validate or verify um, either one. That's what my tools do. My tools do not certify. So that is uh, one thing of distinction to note. But basically a bad patch cable. Change that out. And they've not had any trouble since. And obviously I did have to go out there to test and change the cable. But I did not have to go out there to find the problem I actually used the Domotes box to do that for me. So 
Domotes isn't a sponsor. I, you know, have been very happy with them. I've had them on the show a few times, so I like to pimp that as much as possible. Um, I like the Domotes bots, and it helped me solve a, it wasn't really a sonic wall issue, it was a cable issue, but it manifested through the sonic wall and their remote uh, network connections. So the other story is on behalf of a listener who called me to ask me if I could help with a connection to GMS. And GMS is the global management system that SonicWall has. I did use that in the past. I used it back when you could purchase an actual physical SonicWall box that would be your GMS appliance. And I had it in my office, and then anybody that I had deployed a sonic wall out to, I would actually have it point back to my box for the management, and then I could do all my stuff from there, from updates and reviewing of logs and you know policies and stuff like that. I could do that all from the GMS box and then push those out to the sonic wall appliances. Well, without getting into too much detail, this person was using a vendor to help with that. And the vendor for some reason could not get that GMS connection to work. So I connected with the listener and we were able to do a few things and turn on the activation for the GMS, uh, configure remote access because at the, at the time they couldn't remotely access the sonic wall. They had to remote into one of the local desktops and then, remote into the firewall. Um, so we had configured that for them. Now, in a true security sense, some vendors are going to tell you do not configure remote access directly to the firewall. And for most clients, that's probably, in my opinion, overkill. But the best way to do that would be to set up a VPN connection so that you don't open any ports whether it's for remote management or anything else, and you would set up that VPN connection to that sonic wall. And the reason I wanted to tell that story was because I didn't even talk about charging the person, and turns out that they ended up giving me a nice little donation to Uncle Marv Podcast Network. So I wanted to share that story and say thank you to the listener and because I wasn't able to ask them for permission for their name. I didn't share it, but I think that they will know who they are. Well, I also mentioned in the notes that I was going to do an up-level systems update, and I have a partial update. So a while back, I had been sent one of the work-from-home units from up-level that I could take to the house and what this would do, and this was basically, they had been working on this for a while, but when COVID hit, it really ramped up for them that they found, you know, a huge demand in, you know, managed service providers like us wanting to to get secure remote connections for their clients. And so what this was is basically a little box that you can send home with the client. It is absolutely easy to set up. They literally plug the box into their router or modem, and then they plug the device if they're using a laptop where they can use a wired cable 
or they're using Wi-Fi, which there is a Wi-Fi unit that comes with this as well, and they would connect to that box, that box would create a secure VPN back to your office. Now, your office, in the perfect sense, would need to have an up-level system as well. Now, the reason I say I have a partial update is because I have an up-level system box, but it is currently not my main firewall, and I am using SonicWall. I had the up-level system up for a while. There were some things that I couldn't do with it or I didn't like about it. Uh, I still wanted to evaluate it, so it is here in my office, and so I have to set that back up so that it is up and running, so that is why I don't have a full update. But I do want to say this. The setup for the home unit, the work-from-home remote unit, I mean, I think that you could probably send this home with your grandmother and walk her through setting it up. Now, the only the only thing that I see is that there's a lot of stuff that comes with the box. There's, first of all, their, their little gateway uh, appliance that they have. There's a Wi-Fi device which you don't have to use, but if you want to provide Wi-Fi for laptops and stuff, it literally plugs directly into the appliance. So there's, there's a port for the internet. There's a port to go out to a, a notebook or, or desktop if they're using a desktop. And then there's a port that goes out to this Wi-Fi box. The one thing that um, I didn't like is that the Wi-Fi is not PoE. So there is a brick AC adapter that you have to use not only for the gateway appliance, but also for the Wi-Fi unit. So you've got to put the Wi-Fi somewhere where you can plug it in for power. So if I get a chance to talk with them about that, I'm going to suggest if they could find a way to have POE coming from the gateway, that would save an an AC plug, um, a little bit of hassle of trying to set up this Wi-Fi access point um, in the house. But Again, it was great. So from the home perspective, I've used it uh, for a few days now. I set it up over the weekend, and the Wi-Fi is pretty good. Um, It is uh, backed by Ingenious. Um, No, is it Ingenious? I forgot. I didn't write it down, but um, it is uh, pretty good. So the Wi-Fi was good. It was solid, and my Internet connection through that gateway behind my Comcastic modem connection was pretty good as well. So that is a partial update. I will work on getting a full update uh, once I get back with them. And the reason I have to get back with them is when I, when I had the appliance set up as my main firewall, you have to call support for them to help you put on the static IPs. So we had that reset, so I've got to go through the rigmarole, and that's, that's something that at least as far as I know from before, at some point last year, I couldn't configure that. I had to have help from their support, um, but we'll get that done pretty soon, and I will give you a final update on that. All right, what else? Oh, a vendor rant. So... I didn't quite put my words together on how I wanted to to talk about this, but I did want to say that I had a joyful experience over the weekend with my IT Glue account. IT Glue, of course, is owned by Kaseya. And I want to be careful because I like IT Glue. I don't know if I like Kaseya, but I like Datto, 
and Kaseo owns Datto. And I've not had Kaseo on the show yet, and of course I would like to. I would like to have all the vendors in the channel come on the show at some point in time and share products and have techs and companies come on and share experiences. But the one thing that that is beginning to upset me, and I had a talk with another uh, person today and then a person yesterday, where we're starting to have some issues with support. And part of it is around support not being available. Some of it is around support not being really that helpful. And, you know, one of the things that bothers me is when I call support and I know more than the person on the other line. Now, granted, I've been doing this quite a while. I've been doing this 25 years. And I know that not all vendors can have experienced help desk technicians. And for the most part, a lot of the people that call in are not dealing with complex issues. So I want to be sure to clarify that, you know, I'm not, you know, poo-pooing on help desk support, you know, from a person, people perspective. What I'm coming at this from is a company perspective. And one of the things that I think needs to happen in this industry is one, if we are supporting our customers more than nine to five, and when I say more than nine to five, I know that most of us like to have that nine to five schedule or eight to six schedule, but it doesn't always work that way when our customers have issues that happen after hours or we need to do a deployment or something that has to take place over a weekend. And I'm finding it disturbing that a lot of vendors don't have after-hour support. And I had that issue with IT Glue where I did try to call and had to leave a message. I tried to bring up the chat, and that wasn't available. And I ended up having to send an email. The email I sent was 11-something Saturday morning. Now, I did actually get a response over the weekend, but it did not come until Sunday evening, which just really f- frustrated me. That's the F word I was looking for. Looking for. Uh, frustrated me because I actually needed to get into my IT glue to get a password for a client. Uh, it wasn't super major. So thankfully, it wasn't me trying to you know get a server up and an application where I needed that password. But the fact that I had to wait, you know, from Saturday to Sunday just to even get a response, and the response I got was basically some things that I had already done, and it wasn't to say, "Hey, how can I help you? Can I call you? Can we?" It was more or less, "Here are some things to try. Email us back if they don't work." And I so wanted to say, I already tried all these things. So I did send that back and turns out bottom line is without going into all the specifics, I actually did not get the issue resolved until I got into the office Monday morning and actually called. And at first the person that called said, okay, yes, you have to respond to the email. Now the issue was with two-factor authentication. And I probably should go back and say that some of this Well, I'll say a lot of this falls on me because I had not had an issue with multi-factor authentication in such a long time, I couldn't find the recovery key. So 
the issue that I was having is that I would go log in, my password would be right, but for some reason, my multi-factor would say incorrect. But it had been working all this time, so I knew my password was correct. However, I went ahead and reset it anyway, and I would get the password, it would work, but I'd go to, you know, put in my authentication code, no joy. So this was something where I just needed it turned off so that I could get in. And in order to get your multi-factor authentication is you either need another administrator to go in and, and reset it for you or disable it, which, you know, as the man in the van, I am the only administrator. So that was frustrating. Or you have to send in four pieces of information. You have to send in your business name. You have to send in your uh, billing email address, your the last four of the credit card that you're using, and then the email address of the um, account that you want to reset. So, of course, I just copied the information from when I first set it up five, six years ago and thought nothing of it. And I got an email back saying, oh, your business name and email are not correct. Please resend. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's It's only me. Well, I come to find out part of it was on me because we did change the billing account. I have my office manager on there as the billing contact, so one bit of information. But, of course, I had to say to them, well, why did you tell me my business name was wrong? Um, I don't know. I was just a little frustrated having to wait from Saturday to Monday to get that all squared away. So uh, just a quick rant. I, I have no problems with IT glue. In fact, I love it. I know that um, there are some other products out there that are trying to, you know, compete. And I know that they're supposed to be raising their price. I don't have a three-year contract yet. Don't hit me up, Kaseya, for that. And uh, the other comments and conversations that I had were of similar nature, where people are getting misinformation from vendors or not getting the help that they need. Um, I had a long conversation with um, a vendor who told me that a lot of their new MSP business is coming because another provider is not responding quick enough. And, you know, if you put in a, a ticket and you don't even get a response for two weeks, that's a problem. And, we have customers that would probably fire us if that happened, if we didn't respond, you know, two days, let alone two weeks. So vendors, I, I know that some of you listen. I know that some of you don't care and, you know, you've got uh, bigger MSPs that you're listening to, but, you know, for the love of God, help us out. We, we want to give you business. We want to grow. We want to, you know, do right by our clients and we need your help to do so. So. You know, aside from my issue and the fact that I've talked with multiple people in the last week about similar issues, this is a this is an industry thing. And I know that there are vendors out there that are doing great and fantastic, and we love them and talk about them all the time. But um, even some of the old dogs are starting to show some spots, and we need to uh, we need to address that. So, all right. I think that's probably a good place to stop and get on to some Florida man stories because I think tonight, if my good buddy Chad was watching, he would love one of these stories. 
And normally I would do an in the news segment and talk tech before this, but we have two Florida stories that I think are going to be of great interest to you. And the first of which is we always talk about Florida man and we talk about the alligator as the Florida symbol. But I want to share with you, first of all, if you are able to get to the screen and see the picture, I am showing a picture of a python. And many of you don't know that, you know, one of the most feared animals in Florida right now is not the alligator. It is the python. And just recently, the largest ever Burmese python was discovered here in the Everglades, which is not far from my house, who used, um, and the, the, the way that they found this one is that they used another python as bait. So let me describe the fact that the average python is usually between uh, six and eight feet, and they use that as bait to get the largest ever on record. And when I say largest ever, this one was a female measuring nearly 18 feet, 5.4 meters, and weighed 215 pounds. Now, if you're able to see the picture or if you are able to go to the show notes and click on the link, you'll see these pictures. There are three grown-ass men carrying this python out of the Everglades. Now, when you say largest ever, Marv, you're probably just being a little over-exaggerated in what you're saying. No, I'm not, folks. The next largest python ever found here in Florida was less, was 30 pounds less than this one here. Um, absolutely insane. Uh, 30 pounds, this one outweighed the next closest python ever found. So pythons are becoming an issue here. And let me just say this. This python, I'm going to show a picture. Let me go on to here. Um, This third picture that I'm showing you is just another picture of the python on the ground. And you can see that it's, it's pretty meaty around the middle. Now, the reason that it is meaty and I'm going to I'm going to put a little disclaimer here. If you are watching the video, you may want to turn away. You may not want to see this next picture. That's all the warning I'm going to give you. But the picture that you have is somebody that is holding in their hands 120 snake eggs. That is right, folks. Actually, this too was a record. Inside the body of this snake was found 122 egg follicles. Now, holy crap is all I can say that a python is going to give birth to 100 plus other pythons. Now, what I can't show you, and there's not a picture of, is when they did the necropsy, they basically went and did a whole bunch of stuff. They also found in the snake's digestive tract 
bits of fur, clumps of a dissolved bone, and the chunk of a hoof, evidence that the python's last meal was an adult white-tailed deer. So, we have gators that'll drag dogs into ponds and will attack people. But ladies and gentlemen, this python ate a deer. That is all I need to tell you about coming here to Florida. So, yikes. Now, on to Florida man. And I'm going to show you a quick little video here that is basically blowing up Twitter. And the reason I say this with hesitation is because this actually wasn't in Florida, but this was actually in Australia and was mistaken as a Florida man and an alligator. So the pub owner uh, was in his backyard. His name was Kay Kai Hansen in Australia's Northern Territory. And he's fighting off a crocodile with a frying pan. So this is one of those things where if I don't do my research and you guys send me stories and just say Florida man at it again, we would think that stuff like this really does only happen in Florida. But folks, this one, no. This one happened in Australia. And yes, the guy did hit the animal with a frying pan, but the animal was not an alligator. It was a crocodile from Australia. So there you have it. And that is our news for the day and Florida man. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the IT Business Podcast. I thank you all for hanging out with me. And I probably should have checked to see, has the game started yet, John? Between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche, I believe is the team that they are playing. And it looks like I am going to get you out just in time that you can go see that. Oh, no, the game has started. It is just ending. Well, there's five minutes and 51 seconds left in the first. And I'm proud to announce that the Tampa Bay Lightning are leading Colorado 1-0. to zero. So John is probably half listening to the show and half watching the game. Go Lightning. And I won't be giving any updates on the future so as to whether they won or not. If you're interested, you can go to SportsCenter and you can find out yourself. You come here for IT business stuff, and that's what we'll give you. And we will do that again next week as I am joined by Mike Sladowski with Magnus Box, and we're going to talk about backup stuff, and it'll be quite interesting. So tune in for that. Again, we are live each Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, and we stream on YouTube and the Facebook. If you want to find out other stuff about the show, head over to itbusinesspodcast.com. You'll find old episodes. You can search for your favorite guest. You can search for your favorite topic. But be sure to click on the follow button at the top right and select your favorite podcatcher and be notified when new shows are out. So go out, folks, make money, be happy, and we'll see you next week. And until then, holla. Mm-hmm.